Attention, look around. We're in a battle. This is a fight and I'm watching men drop like flies out here when we have weapons of warfare that aren't being utilized. Your faith is your shield, but you've been beaten, bruised, and broken on the journey. May I remind you that you were born to be a warrior. Unlike the belt-fed automatic weapon that may run out of ammo, the Bible is your endless supply of full mags to be used against the enemy. I'm Steve Petrosky, fellow brother, inviting you to take your place on the front line, lock shields, and take the kingdom of God by force. Suit up in the full armor of God so we can get some demon's blood on our swords. Let's move out. All right, episode one. Wheels up, let's go. All right, so first of all, like, dude, what is a war pig? Why, like, why is that the title of your thing? Um, yeah, I think anyone in, anyone in the military who's been in the military before knows, well, has an idea what I'm talking about when I say war pig. It's like the, the person who's always calm, cool, always looks great, uh, just incredible at their job. And they, they kind of just live for the moment for, for, for that moment, like, I think it's combat. So like, if, you see, if you've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, it's like the Eric Bana character, you know, he just, he never gets frazzled. He's never frustrated yelling at anyone. Um, but he, it's like his whole life is just there for that fight. And when that's over, then he's, he just grabs the rice and he goes out and finds something else, another fight and goes out and does it again. So I don't know. I just love it. Love the title. I love that idea of that kind of a person. And I think that that kind of a person is something that we need more of, uh, especially the church, uh, especially as Christians, uh, particularly as men. Being a man is what I what I feel like. Uh, so that's why I named it that. So hopefully that helps you guys along. It means something to you. So I want to talk real quick about my own value proposition for for the podcast. Uh, let me first start off by saying uh, I barely know what I'm doing. Um, this isn't supposed to be me talking down to anyone. Like I have all the answers, like how smart I am. Uh, this is basically, I kind of just realized I'm, as I'm figuring all this out for myself, this might be, well, this is, it's all a lot of stuff that someone else could use. So let me put it down in, uh, in a way that someone else could pick it up. So that's all. I'm just trying to, to bring you guys along on my own little journey here um with that i have been in the military and i'm going to try to start off by breaking things down kind of the only way i know how and in the military there is an acronym called uh met tc m-e-t-t-c i dude if you're in the military and you're like oh my god this guy's doing met tc like yeah i know i'm that guy sorry uh, but if you're not METTC, M-E-T-T-C, and it stands an acronym, it stands for Mission, Enemy, Terrain, Time, and Civilian Considerations. Okay, so this is used for a decision-making process in the military. So, hey, here's the situation. What are you going to do? And you go back to, well, what's my mission? What am I here to do? What kind of enemy am I, am I up against? Well, what am I facing? What's the terrain looking like? Is it daytime, nighttime? Do I, is it hard to get where I'm going? Is it easy to get where I'm going? Um, what kind of time constraints do I have? I have to be back at the LZ by a certain time or I'm going to miss my ride or uh, this strike is happening at a specific time, so we can't be late. And then con civilian considerations is just, you know, what what's the civilian populace doing? Am I causing any danger to anyone else? Or could they like, rat me out? All kinds of stuff like that. So you're combining all these things. It's just a way to, to move your mind through a situation and better understand it and make better decisions. So I'm hoping to put some things about Christianity into this MET-TC process and hopefully make it a little bit easier uh, or at least more palatable for, for people to understand. All right. So... First off, with that said, now let me uh, kick us off with a prayer. And Lord, let me just let me just speak your words only. I just want to lift up what I'm doing because I I don't really know what I'm doing, and I'm relying on my faith in you to provide, to give me the words, 
and to relay the testimony that you've already given me. And I want to lift up everyone who might possibly hear this, that they would just know you a little bit better and be more open to you. And I would pray that you would have an, an individual experience with each one of them and show them yourself, reveal yourself to them, your love for them and how important they are to you. All in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So with that being said, I wanted to start off with the mission and, and dig into that. But pretty quickly, I realized if you're in the military and you're on a mission, you join the military, you went through some kind of a basic training, you are wearing a uniform like other people, you, you've worked up to this, this mission, you, you know who you are. And I kind of had to reel it back and, and think that the kind of, I think the most important starting point is identity, right? So I, don't, I can't sit and talk about the mission you have and get you fired up if you don't even know who you are. All right, so I wanted to, I want to do that first, and I think it's a good, a good episode because it's really all about you. So as you listen, you just kind of sit and think about yourself. That's everyone's favorite topic, right? Just think about me. All right, so so let's talk about identity. Who are you? Right, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird. Uh, who am I? Um, well, my name is, well, no, that's your name, but who are you? Uh, well, I live in, well, that's a location. Who are you? Well, I like to do, well, that's their, those are just things you like to do. That's not you. Who are you? I'm kind of pausing so you can kind of, you know, let your, let your mind wander. Who am I? And I think it's something that a lot of people struggle to answer. Am I brave? Well, I, you know, I, I want to be, but have I ever been tested? Do I know that? I don't know. Am I a good person? Is that, is that an objective thing and I can be a good person or a bad person? I don't know. So to get down to the truth, and not just whatever you want it to be or think it is. Change the question a little bit. Ask yourself, who does God say that I am? Cool. So how do we answer that? Well, first of all, you can ask him. I don't know if you, anyone's ever prayed that before. Just sit and ask him. And you sit quietly. Like, Lord, who do you say I am? And... You know, we'll talk about communications in a different episode, but uh, if you struggle with that, with getting answers when you're praying, then you got your Bible there. So let's we'll dig in the Bible here and see what what God says about you. Starting with Genesis one twenty six, so it's the first book of the Bible. All right, so this is this is God's actively creating the heavens and the earth, and it says, "Then God said." Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. So, first of all, he is just it's just God creating the universe, right? So who's us? Let us make man in our image, our image? Who's he talking to? Funny, right? We'll talk about that later. Um, but what does that mean in our image? God has five fingers on each hand and he's 10 fingers and 10 toes and a nose and, and two eyes. Like, no, he's a creator and you were created to be creative and be a creator like he was right. Nothing else that was created is creative, right? Turn a, a pack of dogs loose in the woods. How long before they write you an email? Right, they're not creative, definitely not like you are, and like at all. All right, so so you're made in the image of God, so we'll start with that. Right, then we'll jump over to 
There we got Psalm 139 and verses 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. All right, so you, you get the you get the imagery there. God made you in his image and you specifically he formed you in your in your mother's womb. Right? You were already created, but then he knit you together into the the physical being that you are now. All right, the last one I wanted to hit, it's Matthew 10, verse 30, 31. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. All right, the sparrows thing, it's Jesus speaking, and he's hes talking about how, uh, you know, God gives birds everything that they need, and how much more does he love you than some birds. But again, the imagery, like even the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows exactly how many hairs are on your head, right? He, he loves you so much. He created you with so much intent and so much care that he knows everything about you, absolutely everything, more than you know about yourself. Right, cool. So that's all great, dude. Like, whatever, some lovey-dovey, like, Bible stuff. Like, what does that mean? Why, why should I care about you, a couple of Bible verses? Well, that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast. Do you Do you believe this? Do you, hearing this right now, do you believe that God created you intentionally with a purpose and cares so much about you that he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head right now? And if not, well, that's probably because we're under attack. We being human beings, all of us, are under constant attack. I think I just genuinely refer to it as the enemy um, it, because it's such a, a broad, I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about demons. I'm talking about all the evil forces, evil thoughts, spirits, uh, all that kind of stuff. I just say the enemy, all right? It's all real by the way. So if this isn't some silly horror movie and I'm not trying to be scary. I'm just saying that, that it's going to be, because here's the thing is I can say that and maybe it's like a little awkward, like the guy talking about weird, like movie zombie stuff. Like, no. But as I speak to it, you're going to realize the truth in it, right? Because the truth is already in you because God created you with a conscience, with a spirit that's linked to him. So whether you understand what I'm saying, whether you believe me or not, you're going to believe me. You're just going to know what I'm talking about. All right. So when I say you're under attack, what the heck am I talking about? Right. So. If I say, if it's not coming from God, I'm coming, then your identity is coming from the world. If you're not believing what God says about you, then you're getting your identity from the world. And that's everything around you. That's the social media. That's uh, the books and movies and all that kind of stuff. So what does the world say your identity comes from? Right? Is it your body? Because you're a certain color? That's your identity, a certain size, fitness type. If you have certain tattoos or lots of tattoos, like that's your identity. Like I'm one of those tattoo people. Um, I think the world tells us that our circumstances dictate our identity. I had a, had a bad childhood, I had a rough upbringing. I'm from a rough neighborhood or people were kind of reserve themselves. Like, I mean, I made some bad choices in life. So it's just who I am now. I just got to live like this. Um, is your spouse your identity? You know, who is it? Did you Are you worried about having some arm candy? Or, yeah, I don't even know how you can, all the different ways you can make your spouse your identity, which I, I, I could not make fun of it because that's something that I kind of did for a long time. And, you know, I let my, my spouse dictate if she was, if she was happy, then I had done a good job. And I wasn't worried about what God was saying. Um, what are your friends? Your friends dictate your identity, who you, who you hang out with, what you guys do in your spare time. Social media, which by the way is like, I think everyone's pretty aware it's like 90% lies. 
I mean, I know you've seen people's profiles and it's like they're, they're uh, on, the, on the face tube and it's like, hey, look at our family. We love each other so much. And we had the best vacation ever in the Bahamas. And it's like, man, I know you guys hate each other. I've seen you. I've seen you deal with your kids. You know, it's all it's all fake. Um, how many how many people do you know get their identity from their kids? Like this is terrible. Don't like don't don't ever do that. Because um, I'm oh I'm just a mom now, and you know it's like you, you kind of reserve yourself like you have to suffer like for your kids. And you do, but that's not your identity. It's not who you are. Sports is a good one for young people. Oh, I'm a D1 commit. I'm a varsity athlete, all American. Like all, all great accomplishments, but certainly not your identity. I think maybe the biggest one uh, that we have is our job, right? So, so like, if you're going to introduce introduce yourself to someone else you'd probably say to them as you're describing yourself what you think the most important thing is about you the thing you want them to know about you the most you probably share that first and i think that probably our job is maybe one of the first things that that people tend to share because they kind of they find their identity in that um by the way you guys do you know how you know if someone is a nurse or a teacher, they'll tell you. All right, how about like a degree, right? People have like their identity is there. Uh, have you ever got an email from someone? Uh, I mean a degree, like an educational, like a degree from a school or something. Have you ever seen an email from someone and their signature line is just massive because they put every stupid two letter suffix that they could possibly come up with to like put under their name and their little, their little title things. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe you're finding your identity in your, in your education. Uh, I go to court and use big words. I drive a Dodge Stratus. Um, we talk about where you live and people find their identity where they live. Have you ever had sushi in LA? Uh, LA people. I don't know. I haven't had sushi in LA, by the way. Um, but a lot of people that, that, yeah, obviously they, depending on where they live, that's what they associate themselves with. Right. So, so these are just a few things that I came up with that, that this is what the world tells you. This is what your identity is. And it's kind of like subversive too. I even, maybe I'm going, uh, maybe I'm going on a rabbit hole here, but there was a commercial for Wawa here on the East coast. We have this gas station called Wawa, but it's also like kind of a food place but it not like 7-eleven like roller hot dog food it's actually pretty good um and they have this sale thing called hoagie fest and the guy in the commercial is sitting there like thinking to himself he's like my grandpa was a hoagie man my dad was a hoagie man you're a hoagie man so this is more hilarious stuff like you identify yourself as a, a hoagie man but you know what I mean? Like, you, it's just trying to get people to buy something based on them identifying themselves. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm a meat lover. I love meat. I'm going to buy that pizza. All right. But the, you know how you can tell, though, what then these things are not your identity. I got to enunciate that word. Identity um, is look at what happens when these things are taken away. It's like kicking a stool out from someone. And I think everyone, if you think about it, if it hasn't happened to you, then you know someone who who it's happened to where pick one of these things. They're, they're this D1 committed varsity athlete and then they come out with some kind of bone disease where they can't play sports anymore. And just they just don't know what else to do with their lives. You know what I'm saying? It's like Booby Miles from, what's that movie, Friday Night Lights? You guys didn't know that play football. And I'm not making fun of everyone, anyone. I'm just saying that that people, you see that when they put their identity in something, 
that's not real, that's not, that's not their real identity, then when that gets taken away, you see like the, the volatility there and how, how it just leaves people with like, what do you have now? You don't have anything. And as if that's not bad enough, that's just, that's just the world trying to tell you where your identity should come from, from the wrong things. And as if that's not bad enough, it's also a major attack right now. Right. So this is what I'm talking about. You're, when you, when you hear this, you're going to be like, yes, you totally. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Um, I'm talking about movies. So <laughs> it's called, there's a trope and it's called a Mary Sue. And if you've seen any of these new star, star Wars movies, you know what I'm talking about where this, what's her name? Ray, like total nobody finds a lightsaber in the sand somewhere. And then she beats up the, the bad guy. And the second movie, she best Luke Skywalker, like freaking Luke Skywalker. And she, she's never learned anything, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's just this empowered woman character who doesn't need to have any training. Um, and then it's just awesome at everything. And all the men's job in the movies is just to be made fun of by her and be stupid. So you look at, um, I don't remember any of the characters' names, but basically every other dude in the movies are just, they're just goofballs. Um, so that's just one, one trope from the movies. Um, it used to be, you know, when I grew up, movies were like, like over the top, like literally the movie over the top, but they were, they were over the, like, go watch Iron Eagle, right? So it just makes almost no sense. This kid steals his, I don't get in the, the, I'm just saying that the movies were just silly, but it was like, it was like young people and just doing stuff. And it was awesome. And, but, they, but like no fear, it didn't have to make any logical sense. Um, but it just like, it was empowering. Like you could do stuff where you can do whatever you want. Go steal an, go steal an air force plane, fly over a sovereign Middle Eastern country and bomb the crap out of them to save your dad. Or go arm wrestle for your kids, for custody of your kid. I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't matter. Uh, but it was like, I don't know. It was just empowering. Um, commercials are another big one. We're talking about identity being under attack. And by the way, it just so happens to be that I feel like masculinity is under, under attack. And pretty much just go watch any commercial ever. And watch the goofy dude who can't... Oh, like, how am I going to find, how am I going to buy a car? I don't know where to look for a car. But I drew this like, this like knit web of like pictures with, and then like the smart wife just walks in like, oh yeah, just download the Carvana app. Hmm, that was hard. And then like walks away. Like how many, like the dude is like hung up like in his own blinds it, it, because he can't, find his way around the room and his wife has to solve all of his problems by giving him the product that she just bought. Um, man, I, I don't even have enough time to talk about sexuality being under attack. I think everyone's aware. I, man, I met with a buddy of mine last week and he was talking about his 11 year old was surprised by I don't get into details, but she basically had, there's pictures of basically pornographic stuff in her textbooks. She's 11. And I'm talking like fellatio type stuff. And she said, I couldn't understand. Like, why are they eating it? She's 11 years old. It, it's unbelievable. Much less all this gender fluidity stuff and whatever else. Like no one knows who they are anymore. It, like in a sexual way, it's disgusting. Not, it's disgusting that it's being perpetrated on our kids right now. All right, the critical race theory is another one. Like, hey, if you're white, you're racist. And if you say you're not, it's because you're racist. And if you adopted 12 black kids, it's just because you're so racist. It, not, it doesn't make any sense, but you just because you're racist. Cool. I did not know that. 
Um, it's all over the music stuff. Uh, but there's also big ones like getting back to Christianity is like church hurt is a big one too. Right? So so how badly is the enemy capitalizing on 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 church hurt and just like if I kind of I'm hoping that there's a lot of people listening that aren't necessarily Christians, but even if you are, like if you think about if I just say the word church, what do you think of? Guarantee like a Joel Olstein or one of those guys is gonna pop in your mind, like, oh, these like scammy, like greasy preacher guys. I don't know. Probably probably something like that would jump in your mind. Um, maybe one of these one of these people that are that are getting caught cheating on their wives or they're dealing stuff with the kids and or terrible stuff with money, um, all that kind of stuff. So that's just being brought up to the forefront more than ever. Way more than um, most revivals and good things are happening. And uh, the last one that I wrote down was class warfare, right? How how badly do does the enemy want us all to be fixated on fighting each other and and the rich you know pay their fair share and they they want us all to identify as poor. And it's basically just dividing us up into this, this communist, like there's there's the working class and then there's there's the there are our overlords, basically. Right. So so I mean I'm kind of making an exaggeration of it to make the point, but I think that you can look at whatever you do in your everyday life, you can see one of these things happening. Like you when's the last time you went to a movie and you're like, wow, that was a, that was a pretty good movie. Right, and but not have like, but yeah, that one character like, wait a minute, this was called Obi Wan Kenobi, but it was all about this this black woman who was a Sith, and and I guess it didn't have anything to do with Obi Wan Kenobi at all. And then it this doesn't make any any sense at all. Um, so it's under identity is under a massive attack. And if you don't have a foundation in who God says you are, you're just a wash in a sea of poo right now, right? You, you, you have to have that anchor point. Who does God say I am? No matter what, everything that goes into my eyes and ears says that I am, I am a dearly loved image bearer of God, right? Um, we talked about the Genesis thing, have dominion, right? Like a king, that's a, that's a, a, a kingdom word. A king has a dominion and you have a dominion. It doesn't necessarily mean like land, like you're standing there on, on pride rock, like the lion king and looking out over your, your dominion. But somewhere in your life, there's something that you have dominance over in your, in your domain and you have dominion over something. And that's the mission that I'm talking about, that you have, that God created you for, that your purpose, that is your domain, that is your dominion. And when we when we talk about Jesus, and he's called the King of Kings, that doesn't, I, I, I literally thought as a kid, like, oh, that, like, so he's like the king, like, so the, the king of England needs to, like, check in with Jesus, because he's the king over the kings. But like, no, no, you're the king. Jesus is a king, and he wants to make you a king. He doesn't want to make you a slave. He wants to make you a king. And you have a kingdom. You have domain over a kingdom. Something in your life that you were given the talent for, you were given the skills for, you were given the, the testimony, whatever it is, and you were put in this specific place, this specific time, for a purpose. Right? So you ever, you ever think like, man, if I was born back in like, the 1800s, like, how would I be, how would I feel about slavery? Right? But you weren't born in the 1800s. You are born now. Because if you were born in the 1800s, you'd be a different person. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the upbringing. You wouldn't have the books you've read and access to information, everything you have now. Right? So you were, it says in the book of Esther, uh, it says about Esther that she was born for such a time as this. And that's every person now. You were born for this time. Every time you walk through the grocery store, God put you in aisle three 
by the Cheerios at that exact moment for a purpose. So every person you come across that's also in the aisle for you with you, right? There, there's an opportunity there for some kind of a exchange as human beings. All right, it's all purpose driven. All right, so with that, I was going to go just a little bit deeper, and it's a little bit, I guess, more personal for me. But I guess I just feel like as a man, and I don't know if it's probably definitely a womanly thing too. By the way, I'm I'm one of three brothers. Um, I'm in a job right now that's all men, and I have three sons. I just, I just, I don't, I don't really know. You ask my wife, I don't really know how women work or think. So, I'm not trying to segregate anyone, but I'm just saying, as men, um, identity is under massive attack, and I wanted to speak to you something I have struggled with and kind of still struggle with, right? And it, it's like a conditional love thing. And it's also, a, uh, it's conditional, but it's like an earning. You have, you can't have anything until you earn it. Right. So to, to speak to that, I'm going to jump over to Matthew. And pull up my button real quick. So, okay. It's, it's a Matthew three seventeen. Um, so, so this is part of the Bible where Jesus goes to the Jordan river and John the baptizer is baptizing people. That's what he does. He's John the baptizer. Um, and it says here, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased all right so i'll let that sink in a little bit john takes jesus he dips him in the water the jordan he comes out of the water immediately heavens open up the holy spirit comes down in the form of a dove and rests on him a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So it's easy to read that and like, yeah, it's Jesus. Of course, of course God is pleased with him. But it took me a while to realize this. Understand chronologically in Jesus's life. So far, he was born. And then some guys brought him some gifts. And then he got left behind at a temple as his parents were in the caravan going home. They had to go back and get him. And then we don't know what happens to him. And then he shows up here to be baptized. Okay. The point I'm getting at is that he hasn't healed anyone yet. There's none that we know of. He hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. He didn't cure anyone, anyone of leprosy. He didn't turn any water into wine. He didn't walk on water. He didn't tell any storms to stop. He didn't cast out any demons. As far as we know, he's performed no miracles as of yet, except to be born of a virgin mother. Right? So what you got to take away from that is like, God's saying... This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Right? It wasn't like he went around for his three and a half year ministry doing all the things that are in the Bible. And then at the end, God's like, hey, great job, Jesus. Man, I love you. No, it was unconditional. He already loved him before he did anything. And you have to understand that God loves you the exact same way, just as much. Before, not only before you've done anything, but even fully aware of everything you have done wrong and ever will do wrong. 
he still loves you just as much unconditionally. So don't ever think things like, man, God can never use a sinner like me. Like, yo, yeah, yeah, he can. And by the way, he already knows you're a screw up. He knew that way before you were even born. That's the whole point. That's why he sent Jesus to do what he did to cleanse you and to purify all that. Right. And I can't, I hate this. Like you ever invite someone to church, if you're a Christian, um, and they say something stupid, like, and if I ever stepped into church, like I'd probably be struck by lightning. Right. Yeah. Cause that's how God works. Anyone who has like, who do, like, who do you like think that you are that, Oh, you've done so many bad things that God's going to strike you with, by strike you with lightning. Like as soon as you walk into a church, it's just ridiculous. Like just stop. And, and if you're a Christian, you got to remind them like, this is John three sixteen. This is the whole point for God. So loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Like you, you guys are just missing out. Like kind of the most famous Bible verse ever. You just want to sit there and agree with those lies. Um, so, so just a, just a little bit deeper, um, because I, I, I wanted to sort of diagram where these things come from. If there's anything that you're not, that I'm saying that you're not believing, like, yeah, I know, like, whatever, man, like my identity still is like the car I drive. And you got to understand, like, if you have my background or if you, you know, whatever, that this is different for me. Um, and that. I would say most likely would probably be an attack on you by the enemy. All right. So I'm going to try to diagram that and lay that out for you. And, and I'm going to wrap this up here pretty soon. But to take a few examples just from my personal life. And all of them were from when I was a kid, uh, maybe between six and eight years old. Um, and the first one that I remember was being in a grocery store with my mom and I saw these yogurts that I wanted and I didn't care about the yogurt, but the yogurts had teenage mutant Ninja turtle stickers on them. And these particular yogurts had Raphael on the top. He was my favorite still is. Uh, he's the red one, by the way. So I was like, mom, can I have so I didn't know what it was. I was like, can I have some of these? And she knew what was up. She said, do you want, the yogurt or do you want the Ninja Turtle stickers? And I was like, just straight lied. Like, I want the yogurt. So she was like standing there thinking about it for a while. And I gave her some space. You know, I, I pitched I pitched my deal to her. And I was gonna take five and let her think about it. And I went around the corner and I was looking at something else, whatever. I came back around and she was still standing there looking at the yogurt, deciding. I think I even asked her, like, Mom, are you really, like, working this hard to decide if we can have this six-pack of yogurt or not? And she was like, yeah, I am. And it's just, she. if you asked her, she would never remember this, probably. But it was impactful for me because I carried it with me the rest of my life that I can't have things without being a burden to someone else, right? If, if I want things that, that I want to enjoy, it has to come from someone else's pain, suffering, work, someone else's money. Like, um, so it's just better for me to just not have because that way I won't inconvenience anyone else. All right, another quick one was, um, and I can't remember exactly where I was or what the deal was, but, but, the family went to a restaurant, which did not happen often, like maybe a handful of times, like a year. And I, I don't know what I ordered, but let's just say I ordered a cheeseburger and they brought out like chicken noodle soup, like it wasn't even close. And, I, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, I don't know. I was like, hey, this isn't what I ordered. But whichever one of my parents was there and it doesn't matter which one I'm not blaming anyone not my dad problems but 
they just made me feel like, hey, just it's fine. Just be grateful with what you have. Don't you, you don't need to go inconveniencing everyone else. And and like you like chicken noodle soup, just eat that. You're fine. Right. So then I took that on board. Also, like, well, I'm not. I'm not worth it to others. I'm not worthy. And like I got, I have a lack of a value that if I want, if I went to a restaurant and I'm paying money for a cheeseburger, I'm not worthy of having that cheeseburger because I might have to inconvenience someone else again. Right. Um, I'm also a middle child. So that, I don't know, it has its own perks to it. Um, Cause the oldest child is like plowing the way. He's like the icebreaker doing all the new things. And then the younger one's the baby. So he's like the favorite, regardless of whatever he does or doesn't do. And the middle one just kind of has to fend for yourself. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm talking in generalities here. I'm not blaming my parents for anything. But I specifically remember as a child, something that happened, I got yelled at or blamed for something. I don't know. I had no idea. But upset me. And I remember sitting. I went and ran in the garage and I was hiding out in the garage crying. Leaning up, there's like a pole in there that's holding the holding the roof up. I was leaning against it. And I started what what we would say like in the in the church, uh, agreeing with the lies. Right? These 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 because because these are lies. I've already laid out to you. God says you are worthy. You do have value. I love you unconditionally. I made you for a purpose. So these are lies that I'm believing. I can't have things unless someone else is inconvenienced and I'm not worth inconveniencing anyone to get what I want. And by the way, you're just the middle child. So you're fine. Just stay quiet. I don't care. Right. So, and I was sitting in the garage after another incident had happened. I was upset and I was like, just like stupid kid stuff. Like, man, I am stupid. I'm not worth anything and whatever. All right. But understand that in Christianity, it's not even Christianity, but in in the world that we live in, which is, uh, it's hard to describe now, there's the world, there's the spirit world as well. What I'm doing by agreeing with those lies, I'm giving the enemy legal rights over my life, right? So you, by agreeing with lies, you're, you're giving Satan legal authority to influence you. And, and to, to basically make more bad things happen to you. Right. And I had actually taken on an identity, a false identity of victimhood. Right. And I still, I'm still kind of dealing with it <laughs> with you hear me argue with my wife. I just, I want to blame everyone else. Right. You ever hear, you ever hear someone that's like, oh my gosh, I was like overserved this weekend. Like, okay, because it's everyone else's fault that you made poor decisions this weekend, sure. Um, but it also, all these things also created uh, a false identity of, of, of a codependence with me, right? Like, I needed other people to be okay with me for me to be okay. You know, I needed other people around me to be happy so I could be happy. Because as long as everyone else is happy, then I'm good. And that's where love for me became conditional. Right. And I, I think that that's one of the things, especially if you have kids, you have to watch out for right now. I, on a small scale, I make a very deliberate effort with my kids. I never say, and to my wife as well, to anyone, but I never say anything that's like, you're stupid or, or you're an idiot, anything like that. that that's like, I'm, I'm not projecting an identity on you. And even, even things like you're so messy, you're so cluttered and chaotic. And what I would recommend is the opposite. You tell them, son, you're, you're a very clean person. Like you're smart. So your room being a mess is not okay because you're a clean person, right? You pour into them, you speak to who they are, which is the truth. And then you let the behavior follow that, follow that identity. Right. Um, and I, these are things that, again, I'm not talking down to anyone. These are things that I've been dealing with even up to like the last few weeks. Right. Um, and this came down to something that you, you have kind of have to diagnose this in your own life. So you spend time 
and and you find these things. Um, and this is where this is where it gets. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to end on this. It's going to be great because you, you know people have this stupid idea of like you go to like see a therapist, right? You're laying on the couch and they're talking to you and they're they're maybe they're writing stuff down, maybe they're not. I don't know. But people are they're diagnosing, they're they're diagramming it where whatever their issue is coming from, right? And maybe that psychologist can help you get to the root of what's bugging you. And then you get to the end of your time and like, cool, we'll work on that next week. And you got to leave. It's like every movie you ever see with that scene, the person leaves like, hey, wait, what? But I think that there's something there too that it for real life, if you go to a psychologist, like we'll get you to the source of the pain. But then what? What do I do with it? You know, hey, I, I know that I I agreed with false things with with my mom and she was looking at these yogurt and deciding if she could afford it or not. And I took that as, hey, I like I'm just a burden for everyone else. Like, but then what do you do with that? How do you negate that? How do you erase that? How do you make yourself new? Uh, you know, you don't make yourself new. It's not a, it's not a self-help thing. Um, but it's so simple. As a Christian, all right, you just because you want to, you probably want to align yourself with Jesus first. But you, you just, it's easy. Jesus, I renounce the lie that, fill in the blank. I renounce the lie that I can't have anything without burdening somebody else. I renounce the lie that I'm not worthy of receiving things that, that I want. Right? And you can say that I'm just giving you guys words. They're tools, right? I sever any contracts that I've made with the enemy. There is no enemy authority here. The only authority is Jesus. You cap it off with in the name of Jesus. All right. That's the wild card draw four right there. That's the trump card. The whammy knot. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Right. So let's see if I, how long is it taking to pull this up. Um, but speaking to this, I mean, we're not going to, we're going to finish on this, but the authority of Jesus, Matthew 28, 18. Um, one of the last things that in, in the book of Matthew that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me, right? Jesus loves you so unconditionally. He went willingly to die, uh, the, probably the most gruesome death that you could think of for you so that you can be cleansed for this reason. All you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart and say these things in faith. In Jesus' name, I renounce the lie that this, I renounce the lie that that, right? All right, so that's where I'll, I'll wrap it up. I'll leave you with that. And it's like like a little homework thing, right? This is this is exactly what the Bible tells you to do: to go go in your room, close the door, be by yourself, be in the quiet, just a man and his thoughts, and just let this conversation happen with Jesus, right? Whether whether you believe in Him or not, you watch. I this will happen. You'll ask ask His questions, and you will receive answers. Just you're listening, not maybe not audibly, but you'll have these answers that'll just pop in your mind. All right. You got to start with easy ones. Start off real easy. Jesus, do you love me? Wait for that response. Jesus, and hey, if you're, if you're not a Christian, Jesus, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. And then stand by for some crazy stuff to happen. It is going to happen. Okay, so all the things that I'm saying that you're going to renounce, maybe you don't even know what they are. You got to diagnose it, right? Jesus, ask him. He knows. What lies have I believed about myself? And you're just going to like, boom, like be thrown in your mind's eye to that situation. Oh, man, remember in fourth grade when I jumped in that pool and I couldn't swim and I was drowning and it's like the lady saved my life, like, what was that to do with anything? 
Jesus, ask Jesus, what does that have to do with anything, right? Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you felt like your mom should have protected you and she didn't or, or whatever it is. Jesus, I forgive my mom for not protecting me in that moment. But I know that you protect me and you're with me always, right? And you cut, it, the, the spiritual warfare term is cutting that stuff off. And then this is a big one for, for, for this episode. Jesus, who do you say that I am? Right? Wait for that response. He's going to show you. And it's not always, he's not going to, it may not be like, well, Stephen, I made you to be a very organized and like, no, it's, I don't know. Maybe you see like a cheater running or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's going to speak to you. That's how, that's how Jesus talks. He knows you. He knows what you're going to receive and understand. And he's going to speak to you in that exact way. The, the way it's going to be so personal and meaningful to you, it's going to blow your socks off. All right. So I'll wrap it up there. Um, just shy of an hour here, which is good. I want to keep these more short um, so you guys can get a little bit and sit with it and do these things. But but seriously, man, this, this is the, the baseline, the building blocks that are going to change your life if they haven't already. If you like, you want to pray, I don't know how to pray. Um, by the way, I was raised Catholic. So there, there was, there was no prayer other than just repeating, you know, kind of mumbling the same things over and over again. So that's, that's it right there. Just ask him, Jesus, why is the sky blue? Hey, this is, this is a fun one. I did with, I'll, I'll tell the story about this, um, a different episode, but ask Jesus what his favorite color is. You don't think, you don't think Jesus has a favorite color? Of course he does. He wants a relationship with you, right? He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want you just following a bunch of his rules. If you wanted that, he would have made computers that follow their programming, right? He wants a relationship with you. So get to know him. Ask him some questions. Just find something, find something silly. Like Jesus, what's up with this? What's up with the duckbill platypus? <laughs> like what? What's going on there, bro? Um, and figure it out. So take that time quiet time with yourself asking those questions and but be real it's your identity who are you ask him let him answer it's gonna be great all right i'm out i'll hit you guys up uh next episode here and i want to get into comms i want to talk more about this about prayer about comms communication get the two good two-way the five by five uh with jesus it's gonna be sick all right god bless you all let's hey let's wrap it up in prayer um Lord, let's pray that that something that you gave me the words for meant something to someone that had some kind of an impact on their lives. That I'm I'm doing this blindly in, in faith with you, and I just pray that you'd bless it and work through it, and that you just answer everyone's prayers that they're praying at the end of this with just the, the most profound, loud, the intimate, personal way that they understand that there's no other way this could be happening except that you're real. You love them. You created them with a purpose. And you know each and every hair is on their head. All in Jesus' name. Amen.